We wish you welcome. We wish you more than welcome also our listeners. We wish you more than welcome and praying for all of us. For you, for me, for all of us. The Lord Jesus, the Lord of peace, that he himself give us his peace no matter what happens today, no matter what today is like. I pray that the Lord be with you all and his peace be with you. Well, we have arrived at the 17th chapter in the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to the 10th verse. Now, the disciples all along had had a problem with the prediction of the coming of Elijah before the day of the Lord earlier as we find the Lord talking to them about it already in Matthew 11, the verses 13 through 14, it says, All the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you will receive it, this is Elias or Elijah, which was for to come. As we find recorded in Malachi 5 or 6, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. The end of the age. And now again the disciples asked the Lord. In verse 10, Matthew 17, verse 10, his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elias, Elijah must first come? It was enough for now that the disciples recognized the Lord Jesus as the Messiah. And they weren't willing to ask the Lord more about that. But they did ask, why then say the scribes that Elias, Elijah, must come first, must first come? Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Verse 6, And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And even though the disciples, even those three that had heard the voice of God coming from the cloud during the transfiguration, well, they were still bothered by what people said. Earlier the Lord had spoken to them, as we see in Matthew 16, verse 6, about the leaven of the Pharisees. Perhaps you remember this from the New International Version. Be careful, Jesus said to them, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. That leaven of the Pharisees was still having quite an influence on the disciples, and they may have been bothered by the scribes who were using the prophecy about Elijah as an argument 
that to expect the Messiah at that particular time was just not scriptural. As Lenski writes, it was the popular expectation that Elijah would first teach the Jews, settle all their disputes and questions, again give them the pot of manna and Aaron's rod that blossoms, he writes, etc. In answering, it's obvious that the Lord knew that the scribes had correctly understood that Elijah was involved with the restoration of Israel. And the Lord solved that problem by stating that Elijah had already come, but that the scribes had not recognized him for whom he was, while the disciples did understand this to be a reference to John the Baptist. Look at Malachi 3 verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Matthew 11 verse 14. And if ye will receive it, this is Elias, Elijah, which was for to come. And in Luke 1 verse 17, And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. While scholars have different points of view as to whether John the Baptist all the way fulfilled the prophecy of Elijah or that maybe a future appearance of Elijah is necessary and that the theory of still a future appearance of Elijah is connected with the view that he is one of the witnesses as recorded in Revelation 11. The two witnesses in Revelation 11 are to be two human beings who will be giving, given extraordinary power for three and a half years just before the Lord's return, so during the Great Tribulation, verse 3. If anyone tries to harm them before they finish their ministry, verse 5 tells that fire proceeds from their mouth, and devours their enemies. So note the similarity between this and the power given to Elijah as we read in Second Kings chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. They will also have power to produce drought and famine, as did Elijah, as we read in Luke 4, verse 25, and First Kings 17, verses 1 through 7, and to smite the earth with plagues, as Moses did, as he did in Egypt. 
And we find this in Revelation 11 verse 6. But there is no biblical justification to believe that the two witnesses are really Moses and Elijah. God has never resurrected a prophet or an apostle to do a work centuries or more later. God always uses people of the time, of that time, to carry out his work. And the most notable work of the two witnesses will be given one final warning to this world. This message of rebuke and repentance will bring them into conflict with the people and the governments that are in power, and they will be martyred. And the whole world will rejoice and give each other gifts as they look on their bodies, their dead bodies, while lying unburied in the streets of Jerusalem. Verses 9 and 10. But those same people will be struck with great fear when they see the two witnesses come to life again and ascend into the sky in a cloud, verses 11 and 12. But after three and a half days, the spirit of life from God entered them and they stood upright on their feet. And this struck terror into the hearts of those who were watching them. And they heard a tremendous voice speaking to these two from heaven, saying, Come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud, in full view of their enemies. And the suggestion that John the Baptist, or at least partially or somewhat, fulfilled the prophecy of Elijah, that's clear. But a future appearance of Elijah is a bit controversial, if not doubtful. Let's go to verse 11. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias, Elijah, truly shall come First, or shall first come and restore all things. So basically, the Lord backed up the teaching of the scribes that Elijah would return first and restore all things before the Messiah would come. Malachi. Malachi 4, verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. But from Scripture we learn that this is only possible, that, the, that this could only happen through the mental state of repentance and forgiveness. That's what John the Baptist taught, right? Matthew 3, verse 6. The people they were baptized of, John the Baptist, of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. And the promise in Luke 1 verse 16, many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. Verse 12, 
But I say unto you that Elias is come already. That's what the Lord says. And they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed, wanted. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. So now the Lord went into more detail than what the scribes taught. And he explained that Malachi's prophecy was already fulfilled in John the Baptist. Look at John 11, verses 7 through 10. And John's disciples were going away, sorry, as John's disciples were going away, Jesus began talking to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to look at? A reed waving in the breeze? No. Then what was it that you went out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? But the men who wear fine clothes live in the courts of kings. But what did you really go to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, a prophet, and far more than a prophet. This is the man of whom the scripture says, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Believe me, no one greater than John the Baptist has ever been born of all mankind. And yet, a humble member of the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been taken by storm, and eager men are forcing their way into it. For the law and all the prophets foretold it. Till the time of John, and if you can believe it, John himself is the Elijah who must come before the kingdom. The man who has ears to hear must use them. It was John the Baptist. He came in the spirit and power of Elijah as a prophet. Luke 11 verse 17. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And just like that, in the same way, the Messiah was to come, is to come as king in the spirit and power of David. Jeremiah 30 verse 9, But they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up unto them. And Ezekiel 34 verse 23, And I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, even my servant David. He shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd. Ezekiel 37 verse 24, And David my servant shall be king over them, and they all shall have one shepherd. They shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. And Hosea 3 verse 5, 
Afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. In other words, John the Baptist was the Elijah who, as to prophecy, was to be the announcer or the proclaimer of the Lord, and that he was. Malachi 3 verse 1, Behold, I will send, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. And Malachi 4 verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And that, of course, at the end age. Had the disciples only listened to the Lord instead of the scribes, they would have known, they would have understood. But like with many of us, we listen to this, we listen to that, till we don't know what the front or the back is anymore, so to say. And then also John the Baptist, He had to suffer. And so did the Lord. The forerunner John the Baptist had to suffer, and the Lord himself had to suffer. And we see here that the Lord turned their question into another opportunity to try again to prepare his disciples for the cross that was waiting for him, that was waiting the Lord. Stanley M. Horton in the Complete Biblical Library writes, Judaism was correct in saying that Elijah would come, but its belief that Elijah would come from heaven in person and make both a religious and political restoration was inaccurate. As a whole, the Jewish nation did not recognized John the Baptist as the promised Elijah, the herald of Messiah. Look at Matthew 14, verses 1 through 11. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the reports about Jesus, and he said to his attendants, this is John the Baptist, He has risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Now Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, what John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because they considered John a prophet. On Herod's birth, on Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guests and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. 
prompted by her mother, she said, give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. And the king was distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in the prison. His head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. Chapter 21, verse 32. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. But then again, many did get baptized. Matthew 3, they were confessing their sins and they were baptized by him, John the Baptist, in the Jordan River. And in Luke 1, verse 16, he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. So the suffering forerunner of the Lord would be followed by a suffering Messiah. Verse 13. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. The forerunner who was foretold in Matthew 4 verse 5 but was not Elijah, but was in fact John the Baptist. The preacher, they most likely had heard and had heard more than once. Matthew records that the disciples understood, which leads us to believe that they were comfortable and content with the answer the Lord had given them since their reaction had been, as we read in Matthew 17, verse 10, that his, his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elias must first come? Now see this, back during the transfiguration when Peter suggested to build three tabernacles, one for the Lord, one for Elijah, one for Moses. He, Peter, as we discussed before, had become a tool of the evil one because he lowered the dignity and person of the Lord Jesus by putting Moses and Elias or Elijah on the same level with him. And Arno C. Gablin in the Gospel of Matthew explains it this way, that behind Peter's words, and I quote, lurked another thought the very same attempt to keep the Lord from being obedient unto the death of the cross. 
which was made in the temptations in the wilderness, which was hid, he writes in Peter's, God be favorable unto thee, is made here once more. Peter would have Christ in glory and the state of the kingdom there without the cross. Gibelin writes, and he's even willing with his two associates to work for it, he says. Let us make here three tabernacles. And this pitiful scenario is a foreshadow of what people would do with the Lord because corrupt forms of Christianity have put the Lord Jesus together with men men who were holy in their own estimation or put the Lord of glory on the same pedestal on the same pedestal with great men of the world and obviously tried to rob the Lord of his glory you see pure Christianity paints another picture, a much more wholesome picture. Looking at the plan and the circumstances of the Lord coming into his kingdom, looking at the whole situation from a point of view of a design that Moses is the representation of those saints who died in Christ, who died in Jesus, whose bodies fell asleep, trusting the Lord Jesus, and whom the Lord will bring back with him at his return. While Elijah, who was and is the one who never saw death because he was caught up from the earth, he is of the group of those believers whose bodies will never sleep in death, who will never die but whose bodies shall be changed in a twinkling of an eye, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. 1 Corinthians 15, the verses 52 through 53 from the Philips Bible. Listen, and I will tell you a secret. We shall not all die. But suddenly, in the twinkling of an eye, every one of us will be changed as the trumpet sounds. The trumpet will sound, and the dead shall be raised beyond the reach of corruption. And we who are still alive shall suddenly be utterly changed for this perishable nature of ours must be wrapped in imperishability. These bodies, which are mortal, must be wrapped in immortality. And then 1 Thessalonians 4, the verses 13 through 18, also from the Phillips Bible. Now we don't want you, my brothers, to be in any doubt about those who fall asleep in death or to grieve over them like men who have no hope. 
After all, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again from death, then we can believe that God will just as surely bring Jesus, all who are asleep, with him. Here we have a definite message from the Lord. It's that those who are still living when he comes will not in any way precede those who have previously fallen asleep. One word of command, one shout from the archangel, one blast from the trumpet of God, and the Lord himself will come down from heaven. And those who have died in Christ will be the first to rise. And then we, who are still living on the earth, will be swept up with them into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And after that, we shall be with him forever. God has given me this message on the matter. So by all means, use it to encourage one another. See, that is what the transfiguration is all about. That is what true Christianity is all about. And then when the Lord returns at the end of the age, he will bring all of us with him. God bless you.